All right, welcome to the Bible class today. We'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22. This will be class number 12. Uh, Excuse me, this will be class number 13. Uh, In class number 12, uh, we had some technical difficulties and it shut down on us about verse number 22. And so we will end up here in in our 1 Thessalonians class with a class number 13. But that's okay. We're not superstitious. And we will try to finish up these last several verses here in this class. 1 Thessalonians class number 13. And we are again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil, the Bible says. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and body, excuse me, spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Uh, excuse me, be with you. Amen. So I'd say be with you all, but that's not what the verse says. We'll try to read it right if nothing else. Uh, back up to verse 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this this is a, a really uh, an interesting verse of scripture. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And it really... Uh, has limitless application. It's a very difficult verse to talk about, though. Uh, when I think back about uh, having class number 12 and intending to go right through uh, these verses up to the end, and I believe the class is about 21 or 22 minutes long as it is, but I was going to go through these verses and right to the end, I think maybe it's a little bit providential, Uh, that the machine shut off at uh, verse 22 there uh, because it really does uh, uh, merit, it really does warrant some conversation here. Abstain from all appearance of evil. The question would come up, well, what appears evil to one may not appear evil to another. And really, this speaks to a person's uh, uh, spiritual growth. Uh, A man that gets saved... uh, yesterday or today he may not uh, realize he may not have enough scripture to realize everything that the uh, bible uh, relates as evil he may not understand everything that is wicked and everything that is not wicked and truly uh, there is a difference between iniquity wickedness and such things as that and the word evil a headache is evil the bible says that god created the evil and uh, really a lot of the things that are evil may just be a uh, the punishment for sin is evil Uh, there are certainly evil works dishonesty is considered wicked it's also considered uh, considered evil because it has ill effect and if if you really look the word up in the dictionary uh, a good exhaustive dictionary that gives you a, a lot of definitions you'll find that uh, a greater part of the meaning uh, of the word evil has to do with ill effects uh, evil results uh, bad results bad effects 
it has to do with uh, not just iniquity or wickedness, but it has to do with things that that uh, have bad effects as well as things that are bad. In other words, somebody could lie. It's bad. It's evil for them to lie. But what their lie does to somebody else who's innocent in that situation, uh, maybe they were lied to. And it was evil for the person doing the lying but the evil that affects the person who is lied to is maybe they lose part of an investment. Maybe they lose uh, uh, some integrity because they were convinced to do something that they uh, shouldn't have done or probably wouldn't have done had they not been affected by the liar. And so one is evil for committing the act. Another is is experiencing the evil because he gets a bad result. And in that case, the Bible said that God created the evil. And of course, any punishment that befalls man because of his wickedness is evil. And in that sense, I say that headaches are evil. Floods are evil. Uh, hurricanes and whirlwinds are evil. A blizzard that destroys homes and lives and whatever the case might be, that's evil. The stock market crash is evil and maybe the building up of the stock market might be considered evil. And there's all kinds of ways to look at this passage of Scripture, but the Bible says to abstain from all appearance of evil. And so you don't want to look like you're up to no good. And also, you don't really want to look like you're the victim of no good. Remember what the passage of Scripture just told us? Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, when the Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil, it, it doesn't just mean for us to uh, not look like we're doing anything bad, which that is the, the accepted uh, explanation of verse 22. That's what most people think of when they read the verse. They think, boy, I better not look like I'm doing anything wrong. Well, uh, that might be that might be uh, the solution to that might be not to get caught or not to let anybody see you doing anything wrong. Well, see, that's not the that's not the real uh, absolute definition of verse 22. When I think uh, Verse 22 really goes more along the lines of being even. Uh, you might say being even killed. You might be say you might say uh, the solution to that verse is to be established, to be steady, uh, to uh, have the same response and the same uh, thankfulness when things are going your way and when things are not going your way abstain from all appearance of evil i i don't want to let anybody see me doing wrong i don't want for somebody to see me doing something that may not be wrong but may it might look like i'm doing wrong the example that was always given us was uh, going into a liquor store and buying a bottle of pop and coming out with a brown bag <laughs> i've heard many preachers say and I, they probably got it from one another i don't know you know i don't even get a a, a brown paper bag when i go in and buy a coca-cola because i don't want to come out i don't want to come out of the store and have somebody see me and think i got a brown bag of whiskey or something like that well okay i understand that and i have no problem with that but that's not the only and that's not the main 
uh, reach of this verse, abstain from all appearance of evil, might mean that, but it also means uh, uh, that while you're not trying to appear to the world to be wicked or to be involved in some kind of wickedness, you may also want to uh, not let the world see you being the victim of wickedness or the victim of evil. And when the hardships arise, instead of letting people see you down in the dumps or depressed or defeated or cast down, you might want to be thankful. You might want to put on the appearance that you're thankful for the situation in. They may know the situation that you're in. Let them know that you're thankful. They may know the problems that you're facing, but let them see you rejoicing and let them know that you're still praying and that you're still thankful and that you're still trusting God. And so these things, uh, verse number 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, they're really all tied together in verse number 22. Hey, it's not that I'm just going to avoid letting you see me come out of a store with a brown bag. But it's also, I'm not going to let you see me complain. I'm not going to let you see me be cast down. And what a good lesson that is for husbands when you're dealing with your wife and your children. Uh, Let them see you uh, uh, abounding in the Lord. Let them see you trust in God when times are good and when times are bad. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And he says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Every part of your life, the good part. And the bad part, the good times, the bad times, the up times, the down times. And he says, uh, the whole, the very God of peace, God of peace. Well, the God of peace, he didn't just throw God of peace in there as a, as a platitude. Uh, he's talking about real peace. Uh, when times are evil and when times are good, the God of peace will sanctify you. Well, he'll set you apart in a peaceful way. The, the reason for saying God of peace in that verse is in relation to sanctification. You're being set apart. Maybe, you, maybe it is the trouble that you're going through is your apartness. And I say that in a kind of a silly way. It might not be good English. It might not be the way we talk normally. <clears throat> but what I'm trying to get you to see is that Daniel was set apart in the lion's den. Joseph was set apart when he was sold into bondage down into Egypt. When he was put in a position where he had to flee and people told lies about him and then they put him in prison, that was, in a sense, his setting apart. And you may be set apart to preach. You may be set apart to do a lot of things uh, outwardly. Uh, that appear to other men to be your ministry, but God can set you apart through the things that you're experiencing, if they're evil or if they're good. God could set you apart in those things. In other words, sanctify you in those things uh, while you appear to other men to be going through hardships or to be going through good times. When you're set apart, all eyes are on you. When you're not set apart, you're a part of the crowd. You're uh, you're just one of the guys. You're just one of the gals. But when you set apart, when God sets you apart, and all eyes are fixed on you, 
You want to be able to abstain from the appearance of evil and you want to give off the appearance of being thankful and being rejoicing and being instant in prayer and constant in prayer and in that God gets the glory and in that your life ministers to other people and so he says abstain from all appearance of evil and the very God of peace sanctify you holy Daniel had that peace but he was set apart in the lion's den Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they were set apart in the fiery furnace but they had peace in there And so that is a very important lesson. It's Old Testament things mixed in with New Testament things to explain verse number uh, 22 and verse 23. But it certainly is a great truth. Hard to live, but certainly true. Hard to remember in the times that we're going through evil, but very true in those same times. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in the book of Romans we're going through uh, these classes about uh, imputation and God giving us his righteousness. And and those are great truths, great truths. Uh, But the Bible says here that he prays God your your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. The body is the most difficult, I believe. I mean, there's a lot that can be said about uh, about the uh, spirit. There's a lot of things that can be said about the soul. But getting this body uh, in subjection is a very difficult thing. Uh, Romans chapter 7, you could study that for yourself, and it has a lot to say about that. But Paul here says in this thing about abstaining from appearances of evil and allowing God to sanctify you wholly, He says, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. And basically what that is, is is Paul's prayer for somebody who he knows that God is going to pull them into a place where only they can exist. All eyes are on them. Nobody can go through it with them. Uh, Maybe it is like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that it's it's not one person that's set apart, but a group of people that's set apart. Maybe it will work that way. But everybody else's eyes are on them. And Paul says, look, my prayer is that when God puts you in that place, that you come out on the other side, your your body, your soul, your spirit, you're not torn, you're not divided, uh, you're not, uh, uh, your, your saved soul is not dragging along your flesh because it wants to quit. Hey, when you come out of the fiery furnace, when you come out of bondage, when you come out of that bad situation, that you're intact. You've been praising God. You've not been complaining. You've been praying. Uh, you've not been complaining and 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 wallowing in the mire but you've been in a bad situation but you you've been uh, praying you've been rejoicing you've been giving thanks and so that when you come out your flesh ain't trying to quit while your spirit's trying to stay in the fight you're you're preserved blameless and i and he says i hope that is the condition that you're found in when the lord jesus christ comes himself be preserved blameless unto the coming of the lord jesus christ paul's Paul's uh, prayer is not that you'd just win a few battles, but that you'd keep winning battles. Because you're going to keep going through battles, that you keep winning battles till the day that the Lord comes. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God will do these things. He said, I'm not going to just pray that God will preserve you. He said, God will do it. I'm going to pray it, but God is faithful and he will do it. 
And then he says, brethren, pray for us. <coughs> Excuse me. I assume there that he's saying that you pray the same thing for me. Paul just gave a great explanation these past several verses. He says, I'm praying you'll come through it. And he says, hey, we're going to go through these same uh, problems, these same situations. Pray for us. Don't forget about that. You're not the only one going through things. You're not the only one that God's setting aside. You're not the only one who God allows to go through difficult times. Be mindful how other people see you come through it because that's your testimony. And God will help you. And don't uh, be mindful that you're not the only one that's going to go through it. Other people are going to go through it as well. The people that are praying for you while you're going through things... You be mindful and be praying for them while they're going through things. Well, I went through this problem and I came through it in flying colors. Now they're going through their little problems and they're going to quit. Shame on them. They must not have been good Christians. That's not the right attitude. Be long-suffering just as God was long-suffering towards you. I know I've failed many tests. I've been set in a place by myself where people could look at my life and I failed. I didn't rejoice evermore. I didn't pray without ceasing. I, I failed the test more than one time. Next time I go through the test, I don't want to fail. And next time you go through the test, I shouldn't want you to fail either because your success or your spirituality and my uh, success and my spirituality they're not in competition with one another we really are of the same body and uh, if i fail it weakens the body it weakens you if you fail it weakens the body it weakens me and so he says brethren pray for us pray for us the same way we is praying for you greet all the brethren with an holy kiss you can take that uh, as far as you want to amen i don't do much following of that verse right there i just give them a good holy handshake uh, but at any rate uh, we don't want to make light of the word greet all the brethren with an holy kiss and i can just say this greet the brethren with holiness uh, you may not want to kiss on the jaw. That might not be part of your culture or whatever the case might be. And I'm not making light of this verse. Sometimes we make jokes about this verse. But you ought to greet the brethren with holiness. Uh, if that brother's saved, there's a sense in which he's holy. He may not be sanctified. He may not be living a holy life. But he has God's righteousness imputed. If he's your brethren, greet him that way. Greet him in holiness. And uh, greet him in sanctification. Uh, and even if they're not living a holy and a sanctified life, you may not be able to... You may not be able to run with them in the riotous living or unruly living, but you can greet them as they are saved and put them in remembrance that they're saved. Remember, it does say, warn them that are unruly. Well, get together with somebody you know you're not living right. Uh, pats on the back and, and making them feel accepted even if they're not living an acceptable life. Uh, they are accepted in the beloved in the sense of being saved. But in the sense of being in fellowship, that's a different story. And you ought to greet them in a sense to where it's a greeting that says, uh, in, so, in so many words, you're holy and I'm holy and this is the life that we should be living. And if they feel uncomfortable, hope they'll, uh, I hope they'll be drawn into... Um, as Paul said, you know, he said that when he dealt with his uh, people, he said he wanted to provoke them to emulation. And in the Christian life, sometimes you're going to have to greet people like they're saved, even when they're not living like they're saved. 
and greet them in such a way that uh, it speaks to their conscience, even if you're saying, hey, brother, good to be saved, isn't it? Uh, you've been reading your Bible? Boy, I was reading the Bible the other day, and God really showed me this thing and, and uh, spoke to my heart about this thing I needed to get right. And talk to them like they're saved, and talk to them like they really uh, should be able to talk to you as well. And that may just... Uh, do the trick and uh, it might just rather well you know uh, there is time for sharp rebuke and sometimes that sharp sharp rebuke is what's called for but sometimes what it's called for is just greet the brethren with that holy kiss when they go home that uh, the sweet fragrance of that kiss will still be on their jaw man he talked to me uh, in a way that Man, made me feel bad. Made me feel like I wouldn't live for the Lord as I ought to. And uh, He talked to me like I was saved. And boy, I don't act like I'm saved much. And maybe that'll be what's called for. I don't know. But I do see that in this passage of Scripture. Verse 14 through 28, all I see is ministry. I used to see just short little punchy statements that could be preached on individually. <clears throat> Pardon me, but these things are so interconnected. And, and so important in the life of a minister, in the life of a Christian who wants his life to be a ministry to others. These are so very important. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. This uh, passage of Scripture we've been studying, as is all the passages of Scripture that we ever will study, it's important for all the... It's not just important for preachers. It's not just important for deacons or evangelists or missionaries. It's important for all brethren. It's important for all the brethren. And all the brethren ought to be holy brethren. And this verse may have an application to people who are established. It may have an application to those that are interested in being a better witness or a better pastor or a better missionary. But in a greater sense, it's a passage that's aimed towards everybody. All the brethren ought to be holy brethren. And if they're not holy brethren, uh, then they ought to be encouraged to be holy, holy brethren. And that's the whole point. He says, read it to all of them. Uh, maybe they don't understand. Read it to them. Maybe they don't have this knowledge. Uh, read it to them so that they can get uh, the idea that they are a part of this group uh, as well as we are. Uh, if we're ministers, we're part of the group. If we're preachers, we're part of the group. Well, that, that really... Uh, goes for everybody. If you're saved, you're part of this group, just like the Apostle Paul, uh, just like Martin Luther, uh, just like uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, just like uh, Peter S. Ruckman, just like any other preacher you've ever heard of in any group whatsoever. If you're saved by the grace of God, you're part of the Holy Brethren. And this passage goes for you just as well as it goes for me. It goes for one minister, just like it goes for another minister. It goes for one Christian, just like it goes for another Christian. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. I don't think there's a better way to close out uh, any conversation. There's not a better way to sign off on any uh, greetings card. There's not a better way to sign off uh, in any uh, spiritual conversation, any sermon. Uh, any letter uh, to a good friend or missionary or whatever the case might be. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
Amen. That's good enough to end this uh, class on 1 Thessalonians. I'm glad you stuck with it if you did. Uh, very shortly we'll start on the second epistle of, uh, of the apostle to the Thessalonians. We'll start on that as soon as, poss- as we possibly can. We are going to work on Romans a little bit before we get into 2 Thessalonians and try to get a great way through that. Uh, but uh, be watching for 2 Thessalonians to... Uh, begin to be posted very very shortly all right i appreciate you sticking with this this far and looking forward to seeing you in another class very shortly